Hello, flamethrower. Shireen here. I am so excited to have an amazing NCAA Div 1 champion. Leticia Amier is a 20-year-old Canadian-born Olympian athlete of Ghanaian and Côte d'Ivoire descent. She is fully bilingual and will be dropping some French in here at some point. French is her first language. And the coaching community, she is someone that inspires many young female French-Canadian aspiring to follow her footsteps. She's from Mississauga, Ontario, the best city in the world, and has been a member of the Canadian national team since she was 15, where she has also been heralded as the future face of Canadian women's basketball. Tish became the first Canadian woman to dunk in a competitive game in 2015 and is infamously known globally as the girl who dunks. I'm so excited to have her on the show with me. Tish, how are you? Hey, I'm so excited to be here. Um, like you said, Leticia and me here from South Carolina. Um, finally back in Canada after a couple of years of COVID, but just excited to be on the show. How many years has it been since you've been back in Canada? So I come every Christmas for about two or three days. Um, but this is the first time I've actually been here for, you know, longer than a few days. So I'm just excited to actually spend time with my family and get in the city and get, get time with my friends. So tell me, you won a national championship with South Carolina. So exciting. I feel like it's been just a long time coming. You know, our freshman class was highly touted and, and we were, were destined to make the championship the first year, but then obviously COVID hit. Um, so finally being able to get it after my third year is just so exciting. You literally can't do better than that in college ball. Like that's incredible. Like it's, it's amazing. What was your family? Was your family cheering at home? Were they able to come down for the championship game? My family actually was able to come um, probably their second game out of my whole career to be able to be there and see my championship game. Super exciting. Um, They're finally able to get on the court, take some pictures. And after it, just because of COVID and everything going on with the lockdown, just so excited to be there for my family and support them and, and them being there to support me. So tell me a little bit about, I, okay, so I didn't know if I gave this away. I actually am from Mississauga also. So that's why I was hyping up Mississauga. But tell me a little bit about growing up in Mississauga. Like, where did you play ball? Yeah, so starting off, honestly, I kind of just played every sport. Um, my family's from Ivy Coast and Ghana, like you said, so soccer is the main sport I grew up playing soccer um and then obviously I was just freakishly tall so everybody's like do you play basketball I'm like I don't but you know maybe I should look into it (laughs) so I started playing basketball my brothers played basketball and I was just you know I remember just watching them play basketball and then just being the water girl and then I finally found interest in it um and then that's kind of where my my dream started started and then I started playing for the Missunga Monarchs um and then from there you know my my career just spread out so when you say you're freakishly tall how tall is that um six three at this moment but I feel like I've been six three for about six years honestly like <laughs> I've just always been tall um my my family's tall so I just always been tall and just lanky so being from Cote d'Ivoire and Ghana like Ghana you know the black stars les elephants are part of your blood like football is a part of you so basketball did you fall in love with it I did. Um, it was just honestly kind of just because of people just keep nagging me. <laughs> do you play basketball? You don't think you play basketball. Do you model? Do you play basketball? Um, so just being able to kind of just be like, yeah, I do. You know what I mean? Like it kind of just got tiring. Um, and then I just started playing basketball and I fell in love with it. Just 
um because I just saw people that are my height and that looked like me you know what I mean like uh, my whole life I just felt like an outcast just being able to just be tall and and you know people just looked at me differently but like when I played basketball you know we were all tall we're all gifted we're all really athletic and it was just an environment where I felt comfortable for sure do you model though I do want to start modeling actually um but you know that's actually always been something because I was I was tall but I was also very skinny so I feel like that's where a lot of people saw um modeling in my career but um you know I just love being an athlete so first question was always, did I play basketball? So I will offer you the same thing that I told your teammates, Kyla and Kia. I told them that if they wanted to model, I could be your agent and I'll give you 30% and I'll take 70. And that's like a Brown deal. So if <laughs> Let's <you're>... go. <laughs> Let's go. I mean, you do so many things. One of the things I wanted to talk to you about was also your, the work you do for community. Like you're super yeah. involved in community work and not just in South Carolina, but at home, like most 20 year olds are like doing their thing. Why is that important to you? Why is community building important to you? I think it really started when I got injured. Just having that time, like I've never had a time where I was off of basketball, you know what I mean? And, and just trying to find, figure out who I am, like who is Leticia outside of the basketball court? Um, and then once I started just having that time to reflect, I'm like, I want to be, a, I want to have an impact on the community. So um, you know, I started my nonprofit called Back to the Motherland with the 12 Natal. Um, and that really kind of stemmed from my own experience, you know, just, um, you know, being an athlete, just wanting to be out there and, and play sports professionally, but not having the, the financial situation, the financial stability to do that. So then I was given that opportunity because a couple of people believed in me. Um, and then it's kind of unfortunate because I, I would go to Ivory Coast, you know, every summer when I was younger and I would go to these courts. And, you know, um, just kind of showcasing and seeing that people don't have these opportunities, but there's so much raw talent, Mm -hmm. you know, in Africa, there's so much raw talent that is not being exposed. Um, So that's kind of where I I fit in. I feel like um, being able to showcase that because I feel like I was a raw talent. You know, if somebody asks, if somebody sees me and and they're like, wow, this is a raw talent that that just needs the right system, the right people to to help them um, get to the next level. So that's always just been my goal, you know. People like me are not rare, you know, um, they just don't have the exposure. They don't, don't have the capacity to, to get to the next level. So um, that's why, why I started my foundation. And I'm, I'm super excited to just, you know, I have a couple of projects coming up this summer. And I'm just super excited to, to get that, the ball rolling. And so your projects are specifically, they're based over here, but you do a lot of your outreach work in Cote d'Ivoire? Yeah. So the first, the first project I have is in, in Cote d'Ivoire, um, it's gonna be. I'm gonna be going the, the 11th of July, mm-hmm. um, to the the 19th, and I'll be doing some camps. You know, I got some sponsors to to help me fund and bring some gear out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I said, all of it is really just about access. You know, um, I've done some stuff in South Carolina. Um, really, what back to the motherland means is bringing is like sowing a seed in the the community that helped raise you. Mm-hmm. So for me. It's not only Canada, it's not only South Carolina, it's not only Ivory Coast. Um, those are all these different places. You know, I, um, as an athlete, you travel so much and you start to build community in every city that you are in. So I'm, I, I go to South Carolina, I build a community there. I go to Mississauga, I build a community there. So just kind of planting a seed in every community that I, I, I visit and that I reach um, is really my goal because there is underserved and under underappreciated athletes everywhere that you go. Um, right. So that's kind of where I, I, I fit in. 
I mean, I think that's amazing for you to have that cognizance like beyond you is, is really important. And in addition to that, you were on the SCC's conference uh, community service team and you were one of the very few NCAA women's basketball student athlete advisory chairs, which is incredible. Can you tell me about that? Like being on, you know, the entire college system for women's basketball, especially at a time where there's a lot of discussion, like you were in school when the NIL stuff switched over. Right. So what was that process like for you? And like, how do you actually feel about that? Like being able to hopefully, you know, chase them bags. Yeah, it's important. And I feel like, you know, as athletes, we have such a big platform and it is being underutilized by a lot of people. I feel like where I fit in is being that voice. You know, I have an experience as an athlete, as a student athlete, as a national champion. I also have an experience as an international student, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. my experience is a little bit different from a lot of people that have been here. Um, so kind of giving that perspective, I went to Florida a couple of weeks ago, um, just sitting on that Division One council um, and giving my experience. You know, my experience from my teammates is a lot different. You know, I, I'm international, so I'm not able to profit from the NIL um, deals that are going on. And what does that look like for us international students? And these people, for example, the ADs, the, the chancellors, the the um, SWAs, those people need to understand that there's a different experience other than, than the athletes that are able to profit the NIL. There's a different experience from the international perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, so just being out, being able to be in those discussions and giving my outlook, I think it's been so important. Um, it really just started from, you know, I first got to university and I was kind of thrown into the SAC, which is called Student Athlete Advisory Committee. Um, and I was kind of thrown into it because coach Daly believed I was a leader and, and, you know, three years later, you know, I've really honed into that role. I'm um, taking that role very seriously because I feel like, for example, like last year, a couple of years ago, we had that discussion about NCAA and, you know, the, the gyms and how that's been different from the men's and mm. all those things from the NCAA's perspective. Um, I feel like those things have been really important and it's been highlighted because of social media. So that's kind of where I fit in with all my Back to the land initiatives and everything that I've been doing. It's really because exposure um, to that, because a lot of people don't know what's going on and just being able to just give them that insight about what's going on. I think it's important for them to understand from my perspective. So when you say a lot of people don't know what's going on, do you mean the actual athletes, the ones in college? They don't know. Even the men. I feel like a lot of my friends are on the men's side were super are baffled because they're like, wow, like this is what we're receiving um, on the men's side. And, and we're surprised that the woman's side is not getting that. So, I, I mean, it's been going on for, for decades, but now that we have social media and we're able to post it and we don't have fear, you know, backlash, you know, um, I feel like a lot of people are starting to see it. Yeah. I, I think that's really important that you become a person through whom can, can relay this information to your peers. Like that's, that's so important. And like, so when you say you're an international student, just to clarify that you mean Canada. Yeah. And it's crazy because it's like my teammates themselves, like they don't know anything about Canada. They think it's just so foreign. I'm like, I'm a couple hours away. Like, they'll be like, how long does it take you to get home? Like, I mean, from, from here, I'll take 30 minutes to Charlotte. And then from Charlotte, it's an hour, about an hour and a half. Like, it's really not that far, but to them, Canada is so foreign. Um, my experiences are different, but in some, some instances, they're really not that different. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm really not that far.
Every deep playoff run starts with building an amazing team. Doing the same for your business doesn't take a room full of scouts. You just need Indeed. Don't spend hours on multiple job sites looking for candidates with the right skills when you can do it all with Indeed. Hate waiting? Indeed's US data shows over 80% of Indeed employers find quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed matches their job description the moment they sponsor a job. Something I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because with virtual interviews, Indeed saves you time. You can message, schedule, and interview top talent all in one place. Indeed knows that when you're growing your business, you have to make every dollar count. That's why when you sponsor a job, you only pay for quality applications from resumes in our database matching your job description. Visit Indeed.com slash BlueWire to start hiring today. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Cost per application pricing not available for everyone. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So when you're in South Carolina, what food do you miss the most that you don't get in the United States that you have in Canada? Honestly, everything. Because <laughs> the thing about the thing about Canada is so diverse. There's so many different ethnicities. There's so many different backgrounds. And that's what I love about Canada. Like, I grew up when going to high school, going to middle school, going to elementary school. I grew up having friends from, you know, just different parts of the country, different parts of the world. And going to South Carolina is kind of you lack that. So when I'm out here and I'm craving Indian food, I'm craving Asian food, I'm craving African food. Like those are just normal cravings. But you know, in in South Carolina and and in the most part of in America, it's just you know um, they're used to their their customs or they're used to their food. So um, I just kind of miss that like broad ethnicity part of it. Where like I come to Canada and I'm like I can have any type of food from any any different type of of place in the, in the world. Okay, so, but let's just clarify for people who don't know that. I don't want them to come and think they come up to Saskatchewan and they can get like Caribbean food. Let's be clear. Yeah. Like, Tish, you're from a place, I live in a place where there is a lot of diversity. Like, not all of you yeah. like that. Like, predom- predominantly Toronto, Montreal, Vancouver, big cities, we have that. So we do, but I don't want to be people out here thinking they go to like Nova Scotia and can get like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But right. I, I totally hear yeah. you. It's one of the reasons I probably will never move in my life because of the yeah. food. So right. before we started this, we're chatting a bit and I asked you about what your favorite food is. And you said it was APF, uh, which yeah. is like, cassava and fish and plantain so can you make it oh yeah I mean at this point being in college for three years I've learned to cook I mean I've always cooked but like I've learned to just be able to cook different type of foods because you know it's it's tough out there I mean the most the most I'll get sometimes I'll get you know Caribbean food sometimes I'll get Indian food but um in South Carolina you know if you want to get ethnic food you got to cook it. So I've learned <laughs> to cook it and, and just kind of appreciate that type of culture. Well, I, so that was my question. Do you like FaceTime your mom and you're like, Mama, how do I do this? Is that what happens? Oh, yeah. I'm, oh, for me, like I always shadow my mom. My mom. So I told you I started a nonprofit, but my mom actually, she has a nonprofit herself called People of the Motherland. Mm-hmm. And she, I don't know if you're familiar with Kurosaga. Oh, Kurosaga yeah. Is, yeah, <laughs> Kurosaga is, is, is a festival where the a bunch of different countries and she represents Africa, which is a huge continent to, to represent. But, you know, those type of things are, are, are kind of what I grew up with. Um, 
I have an appreciation for every single culture um, because I went to Kersaga, because I was in an environment where I was able to learn from different cultures. So um, I definitely have a big appreciation for that. And then Kersaga also helped me. I've learned to cook. I've learned to go to these different cooking shows and, and doing these type of things. And now I'm in college. I'm able to do these different type of things because I was I was introduced to it at an early age. I think Karasag is actually happening right now, but they have food. For those that don't know, Karasaga is a play on Mississauga, the name of the city, and they have pavilions all over. Like I know for Egypt, the country Egypt, this beautiful Coptic church is actually hosting Egypt. And you can go and you can sample food and see like historical exhibits. It's it's actually really cool. So um, that's a reminder, Tish, for me to go back and get some food. Because for me, you know, honestly, I'm not going to lie. I love the history, but I love the food. Like for me, it goes yes, hand in absolutely. hand. Um, and when you are home, you have my number now. You reach out to me. I make really good Pakistani food. So you can come over. Let's go. Oh, that's like, honestly, my butter chicken is unparalleled. I think. I really think it's very good. Um, now let's talk about this tiny little detail about you being a potential WNBA draft for 2023. A small thing. Um, yeah. <laughs> so are, are you ready? Like, what, what are we doing? Are we waiting for the draft? Do you have your fit picked out? Is this, is this what's happening? The thing is, like, it's kind of been a moment where I've been anticipating it since I've been to South Carolina. So kind of four years later, just being able to be in that moment and it's like the draft is coming up soon in a year. Um, it's amazing because it's something that I've been dreaming about since my childhood. And going to South Carolina, I mean, it's not, it's not a small thing. Like, you have – like you go to South Carolina because you want to go to the league. You want to be able to be in the, in the top contenders. So um, I'm just super excited. But, you know, actually this year winning a championship is one of the best moments of my life. So I'm excited to actually just win another championship and go through that season. And then, you know, the draft is going to come. But I'm just excited to have this team this year. So I've traditionally been a UConn fan and you can blame Batuli and Kia for that, but I feel like I'm going to switch over now to South Carolina. Yeah, come on. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's just different. I, I love it because college basketball has taken such a turn mm-hmm. um, before it was just UConn, 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 but now it's like so many different contenders and it's like you're going into a year and it's like, who are your, who's your competition? I remember I was having interviews, like who's your biggest threat? Um, this year and I'm like honestly and it could be anybody um, mm-hmm. because we have so many different talents and you know in the SEC is one of the biggest best leagues so just being able to play against different um, teams that you know not a transfer rule is gone um, and then there's just different teams that are stacking up so being able to play against all those different teams is very exciting. Is there a moment where you, and I haven't even got to coach Staley yet because we on this show fangirl so hard, but have you been on the court and seen someone and been like, oh my God, starstruck yourself? Actually, like the first time I was starstruck was probably like going to camp is the first time and meeting coach Staley. Like yeah. <laughs> just being able to see such, such a model, like she's amazing. And even at practice, like just being able to play for one of the legendary point guards um, is just such a great experience. Um, and, you know, even at practice or even just like looking on social media, it's like, that's my coach, you know, um, being able to have that experience. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about coach Staley because she just honestly seems like the most dignified boss to walk the earth. It's incredible. Is she really like that in person? Yeah, she's great. I mean, like a lot of people are intimidated by her, but like, honestly, she's just a great person. 
Um, obviously, she gets on us, but like just being able to be with a coach that has so much knowledge in the game and like just being able to be with a coach that just just knows everything really is just amazing environment to be in. So you went to South Carolina was your first school. So did they contact you? And when that phone call came, like, did it come from Coach Staley? Um, honestly, like growing up, I didn't really know much about NCAA. Um, I just played basketball and then kind of like figuring out, like going on my visits. And I, I found out who Coach Staley was, um, was actually amazing to just be like, wow, like this is who I'm talking to. But honestly, like growing up, I really didn't know like much about you know, WNBA and all those different type, type of things. Oh, wow. So it was like a learning curve for you and your family as well. Yeah. So, I mean, it must be so fun to be there. Like you're part of history. Yeah, it is. I mean, everything she does is like, is amazing. Like even off the court, like the philanthropy part that she does is really amazing. Who picks the playlist for your team when you warm up? Who has that responsibility? Um, Honestly, like it's really the team. Like, I don't know, like we all really just get hyped. Um, the experience of just being with the team that's a number one team, we don't only get hyped with the music. It's just the environment that we're in. I mean, we have the number one fan base, um, and they <laughs> definitely hype on us for every game. Do you get people asking you for your autographs as you walk around campus? I do, um, and that's kind of like the best part of it. <laughs> do you get auto- asked for autographs in Canada? I actually have. I feel like part of it is because I'm just tall um, and being <laughs> able to have, you know, people walking around. <laughs> that's awesome. And Talk to me a little bit about Team Canada. Where do you see yourselves going? Because you're going to FIBA, yeah, the championships. How is that journey going? Um, it's pretty cool. I mean, we got Australia coming up in August, um, and I'm I'm really excited about that. We've just been training over the summer for that. It's just you know it's kind of different because normally every summer I got something going on with Team Canada, um, but this year I've kind of just been training and, mm-hmm. and kind of looking forward to August. That's amazing. You know, what do you see for yourself? Like after basketball, do you see yourself as like, you know, continuing in your philanthropic? Do you see yourself as a coach? Do you see yourself as an owner? Because we're seeing an increase of black women, you know, owning part of WNBA teams. Where do you see your futures? Because when I come back to you in 20 years and ask for another interview, where do you, where do you think we'll yeah. be, Tish? Where will you be? Well, kind of my point, like my plan right now is just building in my nonprofit organization. Um, and I, I mean, it's, I've been working with that for a year now. Um, but it's launching with the efforts I'm doing in Africa this year and, and in, at the end of the month with um, Athlete Institute in July. Um, but that's kind of my goal. You know, I've, I've kind of modeled Masai, you know, the GM of, of the Raptors. I've kind of modeled him um, and what he's been doing in the community. And that's kind of my goal, um, just to give back. And hopefully when I'm, I mean, I'm still playing basketball, but like even after I'm play, done playing basketball, just being able to give back to the community and do those type of things. That's amazing. So just so our listeners know, where can we find Return to the Motherland? Where can we find Where can we find that information? Well, I kind of started like posting about it, but like I've officially just kind of got that that um, license from Canada and then Service Canada um, recently. So I'll be posting more information about it um, probably coming this week. I've got the logo and all those different things. And I kind of talked to sponsors. Um, to kind of help me with my efforts. Um, in a couple of weeks, I'll be going to Ivory Coast and be working with them, um, you know, having some camps over there. And then, like I said, I'll have a camp at the end of July. But um, I'm kind of going to start posting more on Instagram and, and kind of getting that attention from other people. Awesome. What's your Instagram handle so our listeners can follow you? I'm sure they do already, but just tell us just in case. My personal Instagram is underscore the black queen underscore. 
And then uh, my nonprofit organization is called Back to the Motherland. Awesome. This is amazing. And thank you again so much for being on Burn It All Down. We are so thrilled you can be and the insight that you're providing us to give us like, you know, sort of like an understanding of what happens. Because one of the most important things is understanding that not every athlete's journey is exactly the same. You're doing so many things and the fact that you also are representing Canada. So I do really appreciate you taking the time and please say hi to your family. And I'm not kidding when you're home and you're home for a while, Give me a call and I will feed you. I'll be so happy. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, thank you for this opportunity. And next time you see Coach Staley, can you please tell her we at Burn It All Down love her and worship her? Uh, All right. (laughs) Thanks so much, Steve. That's all for this episode of Burn It All Down. This episode was produced by Tressa Verstag. Shelby Walden is our web and social media wizard. Burn It All Down is a part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Follow Burn It All Down on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Listen, subscribe, and rate the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, and tune in. For show links and transcripts, check out our website, burnitalldownpod.com. You'll also find a link to our merch at our bonfire store. And of course, thank you, thank you, thank you to our patrons. Your support means the world to us. And if you want to become a sustaining donor to our show, visit patreon.com slash burn it all down. We could not do this without you. Burn on and not out.